George Affleck for Mike Smith this week. It's Friday. Hope your morning's going well. It's time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry joins me now, BC's le- Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief. Hey, Keith. Hey, happy Friday there, George. Happy Friday. Sun is sunning, sunny outside and it's looking good for us. It is. It's going to be a great weekend. So yesterday's numbers, 587. That was a little jump, wasn't it? Well, it's... Um no, it's continuing. We've been hovering around the 600 mark for some time now, up and down, you know, 10, 20, 30, either way for some time. But what's encouraging, over a seven-day um, running average, our numbers continue to drop. Our number of people in hospital continues to drop. The um, number of people in ICU is slowly dropping, and our mortality rate remains very steady. So we're the arrows are pointing in the right direction, and, of course, the whole question is when are we going to reopen? Mm-hmm. The only problem right now is the arrows are pointing in the right direction, but we're really making slow progress. I mean, 500 cases, 600 cases a day is nothing to take home. Uh, it's still a very high number. And until those numbers drop significantly, um, I don't think the restriction orders are going to end on May 25th or maybe extended past that because uh, the, the data that we're seeing just does not simply support the notion of us suddenly reopening and gathering again in, in large numbers. Yeah, I think, and, and Dr. Henry was on with Richard talking about this yesterday, and it seemed, um, we played clips of it earlier this morning, but it's really a question of uh, uh, you know, getting to that magic number, whichever the number is, because she doesn't say, oh, it's going to be 200 she, or she's whatever. She's never put a number out there. She's never put a, a defined target on anything. It's always, we have to figure this out for ourselves. I have a feeling that if we get down to 200 cases a day and below 300 people in hospital and that number continues to drop, then I do think you will see some easing of restrictions. But at these levels right now, I just don't think the the evidence is there to support uh, lifting a lot of the uh, the rules right now. Breakthrough cases in BC. Tell me about this. 1,400 cases. Yeah, so these are people who get vaccinated and then come down with COVID-19 uh, a week or two or three weeks after their vaccination. What's encouraging is that, um, first of all, it's a very low number. There have right. been 78,000 uh, test positives uh, since vaccinations began. 1,400 of those ended up getting COVID-19. Very low percentage, less mm-hmm. than 2%. So that's very encouraging. And then of the 1,400 people who did get COVID-19, the vast majority of the cases are fairly mild cases. Mm-hmm. Um, very small number go into hospital, about 140. And the average age of people going to hospital after they get a, a vaccine with COVID-19 is in, in the 80s. The number of peop- the people who have died, there's 30 people who, who passed away with COVID-19 after getting the vaccination. But those people, the average age was 87. So again, more evidence that these vaccines that we're getting, whether it's Pfizer, Moderna, or AstraZeneca, are very effective and very, very good. And so the the number of people having adverse reactions after that are are very small in number, but also skew very much to the older side of the population, who also usually have underlying health conditions that most of us don't have. So mm-hmm. it was very encouraging, um, positive news from uh, from public health yesterday that very few people get COVID-19 after getting the vaccine. And of those who do, the vast majority just have very mild flu-like symptoms and nothing more serious than that. Yeah, I th- I'm not sure you saw Bill Maher from Real Time on HBO not- mm-hmm. announced last night that he has COVID and he had both... He's had both vaccinations, so he's he got it, but he said symptoms almost none. So. Yeah. You, I mean, again, some people may get it and not even be aware of it um, and not even have symptoms enough, strong enough to go get tested. So it's, uh, it's very encouraging news that these vaccines are very powerful. Another study out 
yesterday, uh, Pfizer now is, uh, again, if you can extend your the, the interval between your first and second dose to 12 weeks, we, we're at 16 weeks, but this is evidence that um, Pfizer got it wrong in terms of <laughs> saying it had to be 21 days. Now the studies are showing your uh, your second dose is actually stronger if it's even longer uh, interval. So uh, more encouraging news on the vaccine front. And Dr. Henry was quite pushed hard on this because she was sort of early on advocating for that it was okay. And mm-hmm. people were saying, that's not what the science says. That's not what the science says. Um, so That's not what Pfizer said. That's not what Pfizer said, but, you know, okay. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so Bonnie Henry has a, access to some science that we didn't know about because, I mean, that's we have to rely on what we're told, right? But, yep. uh, and we know. weren't the only ones. You know, Quebec was first uh, to say we're going to have a longer interval. The U.K. was also a longer interval. And we followed suit, and other, other jurisdictions have it as well. Pfizer was and Moderna were... Again, saying based on their somewhat limited uh, clinical trial, which was really only 50,000 people or so, uh, compared to what's called real-world data, which is millions of people. Uh, So the science is based now on this large, ever-growing sample out there of millions and millions of people who have been vaccinated, and now we're testing what's going on with them rather than the very limited clinical trial that Pfizer did at the beginning. And the results show that a longer gap is better. Uh, Dr. Bruner, here's, here's Dr. Henry' report on the um, uh, the AstraZeneca vaccine yesterday. I also want to report today that we have had a second case of vaccine-induced immune thrombotic thrombocytopenia, or as we call it now, uh, VIT, following a um, receipt of the AstraZeneca vaccine here in British Columbia. This person is a male in their 40s who is in uh, stable condition now, receiving care and treatment in the Fraser Health region. So, uh, you know, another blood clot, uh, AstraZeneca. Well, to put that in perspective, 272,000 people in this province have received AstraZeneca, which includes you and myself. Mm -hmm. Uh, Of that, two people have had blood clots, which works out to 0.0007% of those people who've been vaccinated have experienced this uh, medical situation. So a infinitesimally tiny number of people have yeah. had that serious reaction to the vaccine, which suggests, again, this vaccine is perfectly safe for the vast, vast, vast majority of people. And I'm not going to hesitate to take a second dose when it becomes available uh, down the road. And I think we wouldn't be, uh, if we had a challenge getting the other uh, drugs, we would probably stick with just taking the chance with AZ, I think, wouldn't we? Oh, I would think so. You know, again, very small number of people have had this unusual reaction to the vaccine. But, uh, you know, some people have adverse reactions to the flu vaccine and doesn't really get reported because it's never been an issue. We're focusing on vaccines right now in a way we've never had in our entire history, unless you go back to the polio epidemic. I mean, this is is a phenomenon that... um, you know, how many times have you ever seen a daily posting of how many people got vaccinated? It's, it's just, it's, it's a phenomenon. It's bizarre. One of the areas that I was surprised that Dr. Henry was talking about um, kids in schools, and I think you and I talked about this, that we thought they would use the school program yeah. because you get vaccinated at school, like it's, they got a process, they got a system already built. Why wouldn't they use it? But it sounds like they're not going to. Yeah, it sounds like, uh, which is un- unusual, but yeah. um, I guess uh, they've got a system set up. I mean, we do have 60,000 people a day are going to clinics and pharmacies, mostly clinics around this province. We've got almost 200 clinics set up. So I guess the thinking is, well, just keep taking advantage of the clinic system, which is, you know, evolved now into a pretty seamless uh, system 
where when you can accommodate 60 or 70,000 people a day, um, why not just fold the 12 to 17-year-olds into that system? That sounds like what they're going to do. I guess I just wonder, because that means you have to be active. You have to go there, whereas the vaccine is in school, you get it, it sort of takes it out mm-hmm. of your hands, and it sort of guarantees a super high level of vaccination. But I, I, you know, I know that my kids are pretty pumped they want to get their vaccine so uh they're ready for it so yeah no and i know uh just talking to a couple of young people at the legislature getting my coffee are all excited they're in their 20s they're they're all excited they're they're going to go to the convention center and get their um their vaccine next week that's next week so eight over 18 starts next week is that right yeah Yeah, it's pretty it's wide open next week except for the school-age kids and they're going to follow shortly thereafter and one thing that happened yesterday, USA dropping the mask mandate, and I was watching uh, mm-hmm. CNBC, whatever, they were talking about how this was a, such a great victory, and Biden was so proud, and, and it was an amazing moment for him to do this, because, you know, 114 days in, and he's, you know, basically saying, all right, let's, you know, they're, they're, they're allowed to have concerts if you're vaccinated, basically. Yeah, you know, I don't know about this. I think that might still might be a little premature. I've certainly seen a lot of uh, health experts question this, whether the... the They've achieved herd immunity. Uh, they haven't done that yet. They've got they're way ahead of us, of course, on double dose mm-hmm. uh, for sure. But, they prioritized uh, that, though, didn't they? They, they made did. double dose before. Yeah, yeah. and um, but Dr. Bernie Henry made it clear yesterday we're not we're not there yet. We're we're a long way from losing our social distancing and mask rules. I think we're looking probably the fall at the earliest for something like that. George Affleck in for Mike Smith. This is Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry's with me. We've got some calls. If you want to call in, 604-280-9898, 604-280-9898 to chat with Keith. Keith, we've got a caller here, Chris from Langley. Hey, guys. Hey. Uh, thanks for taking my call. Um, yeah, on the on the Pfizer-Moderna, their trial tests, uh, the science behind it, uh, you know, they were limited on the time frame. We were rushing these things through, so... Uh, you know, that, that's really what it is. You know, a lot of people say the science says this. Well, it's just that they didn't study longer, and, and they don't really know the optimal time frame. It's just that they went with that time frame. It worked. So that's what they said, again, to rush it through. But, again, is it the optimal? The other thing is that the mRNA vaccine, they say, is a major breakthrough in vaccines. And one of the big things about the mRNA, the advantages of it, is that it's easily tweaked given different mm-hmm. variants and, and, and whatnot. So I guess my question, and I'm not sure we can get an answer yet, but uh, why wouldn't they have already be tweaking these things with these new variants coming in? That's a good question. Thanks, Chris. Sorry, yeah, ahead. well, don't, yeah. don't necessarily be sure that's not happening. I mean, we yeah. are, this is an evolving situation. There is a lot of work going on behind the scenes on a number of fronts. The science is changing, and we were told that at the very beginning of the pandemic. I remember being in the first briefing with Dr. Bonnie Henry that the science was going to teach us new things. This is a coronavirus, which is, means it's a novel one. Uh, which means we've had no experience with it. So things are going to change constantly with this. And the mRNA um, vaccine, uh, messenger uh, mRNA vaccine break is a major breakthrough. I mean, Mm -hmm. vaccines usually take years to develop. It took five years to develop the mumps vaccine, for example. Uh, This was done very quickly. If you recall, George, at the beginning of the pandemic, we were told it's going to be two or three years before we get a vaccine because that's been our... Our experience, but in this, this is a breakthrough of getting these vaccines so quickly. So they're going to be produced much quicker, and they're going to be tweaked, and they're going yeah. to be improved, and they're going to adapt to how this virus is changing. I mean, the Indian variant right now is suddenly alarming a lot of jurisdictions. The UK seems to be, you know, they've opened up, but suddenly Boris Johnson, the prime minister, is warning the Indian variant suddenly is making an appearance there that may change everything. And yes. so the vaccines are going to be tweaked to adapt to this. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Corey from Maple Ridge. 
Hi. Go ahead. Your question for Keith. Hi, guys. Hey. Um, I just wanted to ask uh, something with regards to AstraZeneca vaccine. I know, you know, everybody says that the percentage of the people affected or could be affected or died or whatever is very low. But at what point do we appropriate that to a person when you have your loved one or family or friend that died? They were perfectly healthy. They took the vaccine to protect themselves and they just flat out died. And then that person no longer exists. I think even if Bonnie Harry or anybody at CDC or anybody else in politics or anywhere, if they had a family member that took that and died, they would change their opinion right on the spot about what vaccination is and how safe it is for each and every one. All right, Corey, go ahead. Yeah, I don't think that's the case, actually. I mean, if, I invite everyone just to turn on an American television channel and watch some of the advertisements that come on for drugs. That have nothing to do with, with COVID-19, just drugs for arthritis, for, for nausea, for anything. And there are so many caveats about you can have adverse reactions to this drug, and vaccines are no different. And so the incidence of adverse reactions to AstraZeneca are far lower than, say, uh, women who experience blood clots from birth control pills, yeah. for yeah. example. So yeah. these things have to be kept in context. Yeah, and the fact that we're getting that, as a, as a previous caller talked about, this massive amount of information that we're getting in real time about these, mm-hmm. this, this, you know, it's amazing what information. That Our database there. is growing yeah. phenomenally. Yeah, exactly. All right, we have, thanks, Corey. Uh, this is Jeff from Agassiz. Yeah, hey, right, I'm just wondering, got a place down in Birch Bay, uh, trailers, um, what, uh, what do you think the timelines are for the border being open up? Yeah, good question. Yeah, I get asked that all the time. <laughs> we, we, we talked to Dr. Henry and other health officials about that. I get the sense that maybe, and this is totally unofficial, I think late summer, early fall is when we're probably looking at a border reopening. Um, Dr. Henry referenced uh, the July long weekend for opening up a lot of things significantly. Maybe that includes the border, but that's not her call. This is a the border issue is a federal government responsibility to federal government in the United States, and mm-hmm. it's going to be up to them. But I, I have a feeling that certainly signs point to late summer because the U.S. is going to be way ahead of us in vaccinations. But everyone in, in Canada should have a first dose by you know late summer and second dose by early fall. Yeah, so we'll hopefully see that opening up. And, and of course, rapid testing. We talked about that earlier on the show. Mm-hmm. And that, that if there's any issues related to worried about double vaccinations, still getting COVID, how you deal with that rapid testing might be a solution. Dave from Nanaimo. Yeah, hi, guys. Just like uh, you guys, I had my AstraZeneca shot. And I'm wondering if they're going to be holding the second dose or the other doses for all people that have already had their AstraZeneca shot, then would it not make sense that I guess we all get our shots now? Like, we don't shouldn't have to wait 28 weeks, should we, if that's what the shots are being left for? Just wondering what you guys all thought right. about that. Thanks, Dave. Keith? Yeah, it's not 28 weeks. It's 16 weeks. But, yeah, you're right. I've talked to officials about this, and it seems more than likely that AstraZeneca's second doses will occur before the four-month interval because – We've capped the number of first doses at 272,000, but we are getting more AstraZeneca. It's all going to be for second dose, and it's, it's just you do the math, and it's more than likely that you're going to probably get your second dose two months or you know after your first dose, certainly not four months afterwards. All right. Thanks, Dave. Keith, we're out of time. Thanks for right. joining me, and thanks Have for joining me this week. Yeah, you too. Take all right. care. Take care.